Baruch Hashem, we're alive. <clears throat> Baruch Hashem, we're here. We have the ability, each and every one of us, to be here and to be breathing and to have another day, another day, or a day, the first day, for us to change, to grow, to learn how to become better. And the most important thing for us to remember is that the gift of life, Moda Ani Lefanech, as we say every morning, we thank Hashem for being alive. And Shechazar to be Nishmasi. We have to remember that we are a Nishama, we are a soul. Right? We, look, we live in a world where we look at it as what, what, what do I do in my, my, my life for my body, for my physical body. And one of the most important things for us to remember, as the tzaddikim say, is that we have to remember that we're a neshama. We have to remember that the goal of the neshama and the goal of life, thank you very much, is for us to serve our neshama, not just our body. And our body is there to help our soul on its mission. Because a person expires, a person's body will expire. A person's body will be, uh, will deteriorate, and a person's body does not last forever. But one's neshama lasts forever. And when a person lives in this world, the purpose of this world is for a person to fix himself, to work on himself, to make himself better, to make himself better today than I was yesterday. And the greatest Yitzhahara, the greatest Yitzhahara is for a person to feel down that I have problems. For a person to feel like, oh, I have this thing that I got to work on, and I have this thing that I have to work on. Oh, yeah, you only at work. Right? That a person uh, <coughs> feels that I have this thing to work on, and this is my problem, and oy vey, when am I going to get to the stage where I figured everything out? So I just want to tell you, first of all, for sure at your age, for sure when you're younger, so of course, what does that mean? Your whole purpose of life at this stage is to have all the problems in the world. That is the point. The point is, though, now I want to figure out what my problems are, make a list of my problems, figure out what I'm challenged with, figure out what I have to work on, and get to work. Once a person knows the biggest difficulty that a person has is, is when he is in denial. When a person doesn't even know what he has to work on. He do, doesn't even know, notice I am lying. He doesn't even know what I have to work on. But when a person realizes that, wow, Baruch Hashem, I have such a gift. And that gift is the gift of life. And the gift of life is to put me here on this world to say that I got to work on this. And I got to work on this. I have to. So then there's no reason not to be happy about the problems that you might have and the challenges that you might have because the whole purpose is for a person to work on that. And one of the biggest challenges we have is the negativity. One of the biggest challenges that each and every one of us have is negativity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is the constant, you're not going to do it, the constant, oh, this person's like this, the constant looking at other people, the constant uh, recording in your head, the playing in your head over and over the negative thoughts of, of whatever those negative thoughts are. And like we say many times, it's not about uprooting your negative thoughts. It's about, it's about bombarding your brain, learning how to, how to think more positively. It's learning 
how to, how to learn to be more appreciative, to be able to see the good, to be able to see the blessings that we have. As we learned the other day, Ms. Sharam, motivation comes when I have gratitude, when I realize how blessed I am, when I realize how many gifts I have, when I realize what the opportunities I have. That motivates a person to do and do and do. When a person realizes that he has limited time, on this world, when a person realizes he has limited time in yeshiva, when a person realizes that he has whatever he has, the, 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 you know, the ability to have three meals a day, a person has the ability to just live, he doesn't have to worry about other people, he doesn't have to worry about anything except for to work on himself and to change himself. When a person realizes that, it'll motivate him and, and help him realize all the gifts that he has and it will help him become more positive. You're not going to become positive just by hoping that you're going to be positive. You have to actively, that the default is negativity. The default is negativity. You must work and work and work daily, daily, to, to, to learn how to become a more positive thinker because your life are your thoughts. Your life are your thoughts. Oh, how's my life? When someone says, oh, my life stinks, that means my thinking stinks. When a person says he's having a bad day, that means my thinking is negative thinking. I have bad thinking in my mind. Because it's all how you perceive things. When a person's sitting in traffic, he could say, oh wow, this is terrible. Oh, I had such terrible traffic. You could say, Baruch Hashem, there's so, much, there's so much action going on. There's so much, I live in a place where there's so much uh, populace and there's so many people you know, going places, whatever it might be. You could take every situation and you could transfer it into be positive. Okay. Uh, so that's why we begin with purity of speech. We begin with purity of speech because we want to learn to talk better. The reason we want to learn to talk better is because our talking is the manifestation of our thinking. When you think good, you will talk good. When you think about people in a positive way, then the things that come out of your mouth will be positive. Also, when you talk positively, it affects your thinking. If a person goes ahead and says, oh, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful, a person does affirmations out loud, that'll affect your thinking. It goes hand in hand. When you talk, when a person talks positive things and says, oh, good morning, and you smile and you say, it's going to be a great day, I'm having a great day, I'm able to do great things, I'm able to this, and you talk to yourself like that and you spend time doing that, that'll affect the way a person thinks. And when a person looks at people and says, oh, that guy is such a great guy, that guy is such an awesome guy, that guy is so wonderful, and you push yourself to do that, then it transforms into reality. Okay, question and comments, and then we begin with the halacha. But that's why we start the halacha. The reason we do the halacha every day is to remind ourselves that the problem is not out there, the problem's in here. When I fix myself, then I will look at everyone so beautifully. If I'm looking at anyone negatively, it is not them, it is me who is the problem. When a person always realizes, right, I sat down with someone the other day, and we were talking about Shalom Bias, he was talking about some challenges in Shalom Bias, and after we broke it down, it ended up that the entire thing, he thought, oh, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife. After we sat down, it was clear as can be that it had nothing to do with his wife. It was all him. And first it was like, oh, it can't be. But the truth is, it gave him such, 
such strength. Why? Because when you realize that you're the problem, then you can fix the problem. If you think the other person's the problem, you're not, you're not going to be able to fix the other person. And you can't fix the other person. That's when things get frustrated when I say, oh, I've got to fix my mother, I've got to fix my father. Good luck on that. You're not gonna, I promise you, you're not going to fix your mother and you're going to fix your father. You could fix yourself. You're not going to fix your roommate either. You could, you could barely fix yourself. And when you do that, when you begin fixing yourself, then you will be able to see, see changes in other people because you're seeing the change in yourself. Because what we see in other people is really what we have inside. So when, when I see that I'm changing, I start suddenly seeing change in others. So here we go. Let's begin with page 78, 197. Day 78, sorry. 197. You're not allowed to talk rechilas even about a child. Chavetz Chaim notes that many people stumble in this area. Right? So again, rechilas is not Lashon Hara. Rechilas is where you tell somebody that somebody said this thing about you. So you're causing two people not to like each other. So here he goes. You see 10-year-old Maishi, he says, fighting with his friend Yanki. He says, Maishi is fighting with Yanki. So you tell... Yankee's mother, you'll never believe what happened today at the park. I saw Maishi beating up your son. You're not allowed to say that. Right? You're not allowed to say that. You may claim that you are doing a mitzvah by defending the child. However, the Chavetz Chaim has a different opinion. He writes, such a remark can lead to the most devastating atrocities. If one would try to figure out how many Right, things you've done wrong by that. He says, what could occur as a result of your mark? The mother, upon hearing your comment, will confront uh, the child and yell or hit him. Then his father will get involved. Right? There could be a whole thing that gets involved. Therefore, you're not allowed to tell a parent that a child, what a child did to their child unless all conditions of toelis are met. So I just want to be clear. So first let's say the halacha and then we'll talk out the, you know, of course, if you're talking about bullying, or you're talking about somebody who is hurting your child, then of course you could, you could deal with that situation. But just to go ahead and say, oh, I saw your, you know, your son fighting with my son, I saw, you know, whatever it might be, you have to be very careful with that. Question, comments? Question, comments? Yes, Shimon. Number one, Morty uh, gave Chavetz Chaim yesterday. So I know, I saw, I saw. Thank you, Morty. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Beautiful, amazing. Stop. I saw, I saw a picture. Thank you. So you, if that's Morty. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, okay. Uh, what I wanted to say was, I remember that a little earlier in the year, you said if it's age appropriate, meaning right. if it's a three year old, if you have little kids who are fighting with each other, and it's natural for little kids to fight with each other, then that's not, there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's when someone's a little bit older. There's something called age appropriate. If you say, "Oh, this kid was throwing a tantrum, and he's uh, and he's young," so okay, it's, it's it's okay to throw a tantrum. If he's throwing a tantrum at 15 years old, that might be a little bit. You know, I'm talking about a tantrum on the floor, 
throwing a tantrum. You know, uh, we could throw other tantrums, yeah. Even though it's a story, stop the story. Two or three three days ago, I came to Yeshiva, and a guy asked me, like, second Seder, no, so what happened in the house in the afternoon? And I told him something that two of my kids did, which is something not appropriate at all, but it is appropriate for that, something wrong. Right, that's fine, for that age, it's fine. If it's for that age, if, if it's age appropriate, then it's then it's okay if a kid Even bites if a kid bites another kid negative. yeah if a kid bites another kid and said and you say this you know four year old bit this other kid okay that's not necessarily lush and hara because because even though he did something wrong but it, but four year four year olds or three year olds sometimes kids will bite but if you say my twelve year old or my fifteen year old bit someone that's already that's already lush lush and hara that's already right. Yes, from my bird. It might be with Rashila's though, with, uh, with Shimon's case, it might be a little different because I tell another, if someone told me that this kid beat up, this little four-year-old beat up my four-year-old, right. so I, if I don't control myself, I might get into a right, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's, no, that's, a, that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was saying, in a, correct, that, that is the case. The case is if you see a 10-year-old fighting with his friend, whatever age it is, let's say, and you tell the parent, right, I saw so-and-so beating up your son, you're not allowed to do that because that will bring you to be upset. So, so even if like a four-year-old, there's no shahara on a four-year-old, but it involves Rechilis. Correct. Rechilis is different than Lashonhara. Correct. Correct. Yes. Now, again, I just want to be clear, Rabbi Berg. If you are, need to protect your child because your child is being bullied or your child is being hurt by someone and then, then you have to tell the parent or you have to tell them. You know, usually the child himself will tell the parent. So you don't have to worry about being the, you know, the, the policeman and, and telling the child, uh, I'm sorry, and telling the parent. Most of the time, the child himself, if he's being bullied or he's being hurt by someone, right? Amir Tashem, you'll see, you'll, tell, you'll ask your children how was... How is gone? How is school? How is whatever? Like, and they'll say, "Oh, I'm not, I don't want to go." Right? A lot of times that'll happen. I don't want to go. Why don't you want to go? Because so and so is mean to me. So tell me what what happened. What do you mean? Why is so and so mean to you? What are they doing? Oh, uh, he's not. So then you got to get involved. You have to get involved. You must get involved. Calling the parents. Calling the teacher. You have to protect your child, chas from being especially. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, very prevalent nowadays that, that, that children will bully and they'll gang up on, on, on other kids. And it could really, really hurt people very, very, very much. If it could really make a big difference in your child's life. You have to be very, very protective of your child being hurt by other children. You have to get involved. You can't, you, can't, you know, let, let it just go. You know, a, a person waits, you know... Uh, uh, a, a month or two or three, and that goes on. It could be very devastating mm-hmm. for the for the person, mm-hmm. for the child. Yes. I don't understand what the distinction is between when you must get involved. With, you know, it seems like it's a very uh, you should always get involved. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, okay. I mean, you, you don't want to be. I don't know. Hundred percent. I'm just saying that if your kid, if the kids are playing, kids fight sometimes. It's not. It's, you, don't, you don't have to get it. My point is that if your child, you know, if your child comes, even with, even with your children, 
children will fight. You don't have to every little fight that your children have, right? You, I don't have to tell you, Ralphie. Yeah, I'm saying, generation. huh? Yeah, a what? A what generation? Woke? What does that mean? The what? Right. So I'm saying it's not. It's it's okay to let it's okay to let to let um, you know kids um, fight naturally that they fight. Kids fight, but 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 you have to be careful once it starts becoming over the top. Once it, it starts becoming something that that could be really hurtful for the child. That's when you have to get involved. You have to be very careful. But again, the case here we're talking about where stop. Someone's coming over to you. Your own child will come over to you if you if your child needs you and needs you to intervene. Okay. So, but the but the point of the chavetz chaim is that even when it comes to children, there's something called rechilus. Even when it comes to little children, there is a halacha of rechilus, which means that you're not allowed to be makabel. You can't hear. And you can't accept the fact that this little kid, someone told you that this little, little kid did something to this other, to this other um, child. Okay, Hashem should help all of us. We will be Zoha Yes, Shimon. Oh, you guys did this yesterday? No, uh, they did not. Yeah? Yeah, that was. One kid fought with the other kid, and one parent, the one, the one parent was like, one to the other parent, he's like, your kid did this, and like, I don't want the kid coming to my house anymore. Right, and right. And totally wrecked the relationship, they don't even talk, and it's right. like crazy. Right, 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 exactly. Like, your kid did this, even though their kid was also doing it, and it's like, right. it's age appropriate, so relax, but it totally, Correct. that's it. It's Correct. And then it could also hurt the relationship with the parents. With the parents, right? It becomes the whole thing. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah, it's true. It's very dangerous. Yeah. So Hashem will help each and every one of us. We'll be Zoha to not speak any Lashon Hara, not to hear any Lashon Hara. Not, no Rechilas for us and all the Jewish people. Okay, we continue in, in Kinias Hazrizus where we're talking about how a person can acquire alacrity, how a person can acquire the mida of doing things and accomplishing things. And we said the other day that the challenge that a person will have is, number one, he doesn't realize how responsible he is to make the changes that he needs to make. And number two is the looking at the rov hatovo shakunj baruchu osayim ha'adam. When a person realizes, and listen to what he says, he says a very, very powerful line. Says to Mesil Zisharim, What can I give to Hashem already? You can only give something to someone when that person needs something, and that person is lacking something. But when it comes to God, what is it that Hashem is lacking? Hashem isn't lacking anything. So what can I give Him? So says the Mesil Zisharim, Lefachos yode l'shmo v'yikayim mitzvosav. At least what I could do is I could thank him and I could do what he asks of me to do. All relationships involve 
two things, more than two things, but at least these two things. Number one is to say thank you. And number two is to fulfill the request of what the person is asking me to do or not to do whatever the person is asking me not to do. And that's what the mitzvos are. What are the mitzvos? The mitzvos are not commandments. They're also commandments. But a commandment is a negative connotation. I'm commanding you to do something. That's one level of looking at your relationship with Hashem. It's not a relationship. God is commanding me to do X, Y, and Z. A mitzvah in the Zohar says that savsa is Malashan connection, a relationship. The reason Hashem gave us mitzvos is because He wants us to have a relationship with Him. How do you have a relationship with somebody? When someone asks you to do something. Number one, you say, thank you. I appreciate all that you do for me. First you have to say, oh, thank you Hashem for doing all the things that you do for me. That's why we wake up in the morning and the first thing we say is moda, which means thank you. Because when a person would look and say all the wonderful things that Hashem does, so what can I do? Most of davening is not requesting from Hashem. People misunderstand this. They think davening is I'm asking for Hashem, asking, asking. Most of davening is thanking Hashem. All you're really doing is you're saying, thank you Hashem for this, and thank you Hashem for this, and thank you Hashem for this, and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the second thing is, Hashem asks you, please do me a favor. Once a week, I'd like you to keep Shabbos. Could you do that for me? 24 hours, could you not... Do X, Y, and Z. Could you please do that for me? Could you please make Kiddush? Could you please make Havdalah? Could you please do these things for me? And when you do it, you create a relationship with Hashem. When Hashem says, please don't do this, and you don't do it, that's how you create a relationship. Why? Because I'm doing for the other person. When you do something for the other person, when you do something, right? When you fall in love with somebody, when someone falls in love and they ask you, could you do something? Your first thought is not, why should I do that? Why do you want me to do that? Your first thought is, sure, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Once you fall out of love, then what happens? Then you start asking, oh, well, why are you asking me to do that? Why can't you do that yourself? But when you want to love someone, and you want for someone to like you, and you want to get on their best side, so the person says, oh, do me a favor, could you run over there and go over here and go over here and go over here. You're not going to say, why are you asking me to do that? You're going to be like, sure, why? Because you want to show the person how much you love them. You want to show the person that I'm dedicated to you, even if it doesn't make sense that I'm doing what I'm doing. So, so too in your relationship with Hashem. When a person is always asking, oh, well, why do I have to do it? Why do I have to do it? Yes, it's important to know why you put on tefillin. Yes, it's important to know why you keep Shabbos. Yes, it's important to know why we do the mitzvahs, 100%. That's very important. But that comes at a low, low level. That comes at a level of, oh yeah, okay, well first let me see what it is that you want from me. Let me see first what's in it for me. Once I see what's in it for me, then we'll talk about it if I'll do it. That's a low level. That's a low level of a relationship. A really strong relationship is, let me do what I got to do because you're asking me to do it. And then we'll figure out what the reasons are. Then we'll figure out. It's very hard because uh, I know, I don't know what this generation is called. I know I've looked a little bit about millennials. One of the things that millennials, you guys are for sure millennials. But I don't know what this generation is called. Is there a name for this generation? This Generation Z? 
Right, so what are some of the characteristics of gener- Generation Z? Even more, anxiety. Even more. Anxiety? Yeah, for sure, yeah. No, I remember reading about millennials when I learned about millennials about 15 years ago. That's, I think, anyone born after 1985 or something. So one of the things, millennials, is that it used to be, old school used to be, you ask me to, to work, I got to work because I got to work. I gotta work because I gotta put food on the table. I gotta, I gotta make a living, and that's it. I don't have to know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Millennials, it's like they're not gonna do anything unless I understand why. So that's great for a generation, but it's terrible for learning how to build relationships. Because if you, if everything has to be why, 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 and I'm not going to do it until I know why, that's the opposite of of a relationship with God where it's what? Where it's nasa Vinishma. Where first we do, and then we understand. And I'm going to say this to, uh, for the millennial, uh, to satisfy that millennial part of us, is that there's nothing wrong with figuring out why, 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 why. But in the meantime, you can still do things. And a lot of times, when you do things, you begin to learn the why. If you're waiting always for the why, you're waiting for the why, then you're not going to do things. And my, my example, like I said before, I think is a very good example. When a person's in love with somebody, they don't ask why. They say, how can I do it? You need something from me? Sure, I'll go do it. You know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, can you do me a favor? Right? You're talking to, to someone who you fall in love with, and they're in Yerushalayim, and you're here, and they say, oh, could you bring me this and this and that? Sure, I'll get on a bus and I'll take a cab and I'll go this and blah, 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 to bring it to you. Once you're out of love, it's like, why can't you go get it yourself? Why can't you go get it yourself? That's the, that's the attitude that a person has. So the Ramchal says, and then I'll, then I'll let you guys um, please comment and uh, bring out points that, that, that uh, connect to you, that he says it straight out. He says, since I can't do anything for Hashem, ultimately, what can I do for God? God has given everything in the world for me. He says, at least thank Him and do what He asks you to do. Thank Him and do what He asks you to do. Question, comments, how we can get to that level, please. Yes, Zach. Um, so, I understand what you're saying with uh, the whole why thing, and sometimes you don't understand why you have to do things when you should do them anyway because that's the way the world works. But at the same time, um, if we, if these mitzvahs uh, are not actual, actual commandments, it's a way of getting closer to Hashem. Why, if you don't do it, is there punishment for it? Like, let's say it's like a person, person doesn't want to, a person doesn't want to keep shops. It's like keep shops. Person's like, right. either they're going to say, why, why do I have to do this? Right. Um, so I'm pretty sure, like almost everyone goes through that says, why do I need to do that? Right. And then, and then eventually, like it doesn't matter why I need to do it. I need to do it, and then they figure out why. Correct. But like when they're not doing it, you do get a punishment for it. Right. 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 So why? So good. So why? So why is there? I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Backs against the wall. And right. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So why? Why is it that if you um, are not going to be uh, do what your wife asks you to do, and you're going to go ahead and go against what she does, so is she going to punish you? I mean, not really. Correct. What's going to happen? You're just going to kind of lose the relationship. Correct. That's, like, that, that, that's, that's, that's what, what it is. That is what it is. That is what it is. That is what it is. Just we can't understand that, that concept unless you say there will be consequences to your actions. There are consequences. 
a punishment appears to be that there's a monster who's punishing yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It sounds like that's like, very that's immature. Yeah, that's immature. We all start at that's first grade, but when you get to a level where you realize that that Hashem is not a monster, Hashem is not there to make my life miserable. Hashem is not there to hurt me, but Hashem wants a relationship with me. So when I don't give Hashem what, what, what creates the relationship, so what happens is that I'm left with, with a disaster. I'm left with a disaster as a consequence. When a person, right, I haven't said this in a long time, where I say I have very bad news for everybody here. Right, I have bad news and then good news. Right, the bad news is that you're not going to have a good relationship with your wife and your children and your family. You will not have a good relationship with them. That's the bad news. Why is that bad news? Because that's the default. The default is you're not going to have a great relationship. You're not going to be a good father. You're not going to be a happy person. That is the natural way of things. Those are the consequences of living a certain life. The good news, the good news is, if you work on yourself now, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, however old you are, and you work on yourself, then you can have the most amazing relationship with your wife, with your children, with life in general. But it's not going to just happen. I can't say that enough. I can't scream that, so to speak, and try and give that over as much as I can, is that it won't happen by itself. If you're waiting for your, your if you think you're distracted by your phone now, if you think your, your entertainment system, your mall of entertainment is a problem for you now, what's going to be with all the gadgets in 10 years from now? What are going to be your distractions in 10 years from now? Where you totally, where a person will totally be living in a world of total distraction from what's important. What's important for, for a person. And the consequences of that are terrible. Are terrible, terrible, terrible. So to answer your question, Zach, the reason Hashem sometimes will talk in the language of punishment is to show the power and the destruction of, of a lack of relationship and to show the level of importance of Shabbos. A person says, ah, Shabbos, big deal, big deal, big deal. So the person says the same thing, oh, you know, being good to my wife and thanking my wife, ah, big deal, big deal, big deal. Being good to my wife, big deal. She'll get over it. She'll get over it. So what I drink, so what I drink at Kiddush, I get drunk during Kiddush. You know, it's my time with the boys. It's my time with the guys. So what if I get drunk at a wedding? So what if I, if I could drink, if I could smoke here and there? I could do this. I could do my own thing. I could go to... Right? There are people who talk like that. There are people who live like that. Right? Th- th- things, things build and build and build until finally someone says, Oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, my wife... You know, we, we haven't had a good communication. We don't have a good relationship. And it took us how many years? It takes you two years, three years, four years, five years, and you don't have this good relationship. And then your wife says, you know what? There's a big problem, buddy. We have a big problem. So what do you say? Okay, I'm going to fix it. And she's like, okay, you're going to fix it. But we're talking about 10 years or however long of, of lack of relationship. It's very hard to climb back in to that. It's 
very, very hard to climb back in. Hashem, Hashem is very forgiving. And Hashem let, get, lets us off the hook very, very quickly. A person can say, oh yeah, I rebelled in high school. I did this in high school. I went ahead and I did this in high school. And I know oh, Shabbos and this and kosher and all these things. And Hashem took me back with open arms, arms hugging and kissing me. Not everyone's like Hashem. Not everyone's like Hashem. Most people are not like Hashem. And when you, when you abuse a relationship with Hashem, you can abuse the relationship. You can abuse it because Hashem loves us. And He always takes us back. And He'll love us. And He can always have us come back. But with other people, with other people, you, you, it's very, very hard to climb back into building a healthy relationship. And that begins right now. That begins right now with a person saying, that's why we talk so much about Lashon Hara. We talk so much about Lashnaras because you don't want to be a person who's living in everybody else's world. You don't want to be a person who sits at his dining room table and he, all he talks about all day is everybody else. Because what that does is it destroys yourself, it destroys your wife, it destroys your family, and it destroys the people who you're talking about. It's just one big destruction. And it's very, very difficult for a person to build himself and to build himself. And you must be totally, totally dedicated. And you must be going against the grain. I'm going to say this so clearly. You must go against the grain. If you are not, if you are not going against the grain of, of the way of the world, of, of going with the flow, then it's going to be very difficult for you to build what it is that you want to build. Yeah, Shlaimi. Well, Rebbe explained it on the Instagram night. Beautiful. Beautiful. Remember from him, Kipper Knight. Yeah, a lot of Beautiful. Yes, Yehuda. And mitzvahs, and mitzvahs. And mitzvahs. That's what he said. God loves So it could be like, like a little bit of a, a general question, but like, so how do I like take it to like the next level? Like, like will I have like a really strong relationship with the person if it's just like big news and like doing things for them? Or like, I feel like a lot of times, you know, certain kinds of conversations, uh, certain kinds of vulnerabilities, certain kinds of uh, experiences together, you know, are a big part of what my children relationships with uh, Right, so maybe not. Maybe that's not the crux of the relationships. Meaning maybe, maybe you know what we see over here is that imagine if I pictured Right, that the person who I'm trying to have a relationship with is perfect. And what I need to do is I need to thank that person and I need to do whatever that person asks from me. And that's the, that's the <coughs> strength of the relationship. That might be very strong. Yeah, that doesn't mean that we don't, it doesn't mean that we don't go places together. It doesn't mean that we don't have conversations. But maybe the, the 
you know, the yisod and the foundation of a relationship is when I'm very thankful, I recognize how much that person does for me, and I try as best as I can to do whatever I can for that person. That's my mission. Maybe that is a foundation. I'm not saying you can't have other aspects of a physical relationship with people where, like you're saying, we go on a trip and we do these things, but at the end of the day, if I don't have this, then I'm missing the main thing. I'm missing the, the core of the relationship. Other uh, let's say, we could explore that. Good, we could explore that. Right. talking millennial, you're talking millennial like we said, yes, we do have to understand the whys and we have to have the touchy-feely things, and we have to have all that stuff, 100%, but that's not, yeah, yeah, correct, I'm saying that, I agree but I'm saying in, in the math of having that relationship if I'm thankful and I do, right, if you if, you, if everyone, if, if you look at it this way I'm not sure your case of of being friendly with that new kid, but I'm saying, what is the motivation behind that? Am I doing what someone asked me to do? If I'm doing what someone asked me to do, the greatest way to be a friend of somebody is to honor what somebody else wants from you. People will love you if whatever they ask you to do, could you please do this for me? Sure. How could I have you do something for me? Sure. That's the only way to have a relationship. How else do you have a relationship with somebody? When someone thinks that they have a relationship with someone because they're hanging out with someone, that doesn't create a relationship. A relationship is created when I do something for you or I don't do something that you don't want me to do. That's why falling in love is, is, uh, is the biggest lie. Because you fall in love, but you didn't do anything. You could fall in love with somebody, right? If you watch a movie and you fall in love with one of the characters, that character could be dead, and you're in love with them. What does that mean? How could that be? How could it be that someone is dead, and I'm in love with them? Because you're not in love with them. It's not in love with them. You feel a certain way. There's nothing to do with building a relationship. That's why when someone gets married, of course, Amir Tashem, everyone here will fall in love with the person they're going to marry. Man, exactly. You'll fall in love. But that doesn't mean it. It doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything because, because everybody who's going to fall in love, guaranteed, will fall out of love. And the only way to create that love is to work and to build the relationship and to work it and to do the things that that person needs from you and to thank the person. 
to thank the person. We might get nervous, you know, we might get nervous and say, oh, what does that mean? That means there's a lot on me. That means I got a lot to do. It's lonely when you think in those terms. It's lonely. The answer is, yes, it is. It is true. It is lonely. It can be lonely when you're somebody who's giving to other people. It can be lonely when you're going ahead and you're doing for other people. But that's how you become someone who's great. It's the only way you can become someone who's great, who's going to be actively doing things, constantly doing things and doing things. I don't know if that answered, but uh, I think it does if you think about it. Okay. Well, what, what Nakuda is, is missing? Why give and take? You said take. Yeah, I'm not sure why I said give and take. Right, correct. <laughs> I'm talking about give. I'm talking about give. We can be there for each other. Why are we for each other? Once you say for each other, no, I'm there. I'm there to give to you. That is what my job is. I'm there focused to make your life better. Dad, I am there. Imagine. Imagine in your mind. Father, I am totally there for you. I owe you my life because you're my father. I want nothing in return. All I want to do is honor you, Dad. When I call you on the phone, all I want to do is all I want to do is honor you, Dad. What's that relationship going to look like now? It's going to look like that. He'll think you'll be right. He'll say, okay, so how much money do you really need now? <laughs> Why not? A bus driver? Why not? A bus driver? Why wouldn't I go over if I'm taking a bus? Why wouldn't I say, I want, hi, good morning, good afternoon. I want to be a light to you. Hi, good morning. Why not? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to be someone who's walking around? Now, of course, you're not sitting there walking around that that's your goal. That's like, you know, uh, Shlomo Karbach. I mean, you're walking around the world being a light to everyone. You, okay, not, not everyone is like that, but I'm saying... There are enough people in your life where you could say, I just want to be buckled to that person. I just want to be there for that person. And especially for your wife, especially for your kids. What do you get back from your daughter? Okay, you have nachas. You have nachas. It's a good feeling. But what do you get? Is anyone going to ask you what? What, what are you, you going to do? You could say thank you enough for your daughter that she's your daughter. She could spit up on you a hundred times. But you're so thankful that Hashem gave you a daughter, Right? So is there any question what would you, you would do for her? You would die for her. Why would you die for her? What are you getting back? What? Yeah, oh man, yeah. Okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> right, so think about Hashem. Think about Hashem. We look at Hashem because we're so, we, we are so, we're, we're so abusive in our relationship to Hashem. We are so abusive to Him. We're so abusive to Him. What? What? Rabbi was saying how his son came and asked for a Michael me. And of course you're Michael on this little kid, you know? And that's, that's how, I really say it. That's how like Hashem looks at us. And we're coming saying, are you Michael? Hashem's like nipping us on the cheek. Like, of course, you know? Right, of course I'm Michael. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, if you think about it, if you think about it, how, how, abu- how we're not, we're, we do whatever we want. 
Hashem. And then we come back and we're like, okay, Hashem, I'm back. And Hashem's like, for sure, I'm back. Of course, for sure, come. I'm saying, mahu afata. Mahu, just like Hashem's like that, we got to be the same way. We want to be able to give to people. We want to be able to be motivated for people. Yeah, Moshe had a question. Or a comment. Yes. Yes. You have boundaries when giving, you take advantage of you. And number two, when you're talking about being lonely and somewhere, it says if you're lonely when you're by yourself, you need to find better company. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Marcia. So, so to address, so first of all, yes, I like that line of if you're lonely with yourself, then you gotta find better company. You gotta find more time to spend time with yourself. You've got to get to know yourself better. But to answer your first point, where people say what you're saying, which is true, how can I totally be humble to the other person if I'm going to be taking advantage of it? The answer is, or one of the answers to that, is that, that you have to be careful who you're, who you're doing that with. If you're with someone who's going to take advantage of you, and you're going to question yourself, why am I in that relationship? This person keeps on taking advantage of me. So the boundaries I have to set but that doesn't mean that I can't go ahead and give and give and give and give and give if I'm not expecting anything back. The only way I can be taken advantage of... I'm trying to apply some specific relationships. I have friends of mine that I know that they take a lot more than I give. And I have other friends of mine. I can give them up until for me until tomorrow, and they give the same thing if not more right back. Right. right. But, but my point is, I, I agree, but my point is you don't want to look at your relationships in relation to what they're giving back to me. I'm giving. I'm giving. Once you start thinking, what am I getting back from it? Then that's all the dangerous. It doesn't mean it has to be a focal point. Yeah, but I'm saying, but it's all I'm saying is that that's dangerous once now. Is it normal to want to get back from people? Of course it's normal that we want people to give to us. But the more you make yourself a person, and I want to just give and give and just be a doer, and of course it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I remember the first time, I'll end off with this. I remember the first time where I did um, uh, tahara um, on someone who died. I'll never forget this. It was, it was, it was an incredible experience. I did it um, to someone who was a, a mace mitzvah, where this person was an old Russian. Uh, he must have been in his 80s. And I got a call from a friend of mine who did tahara. Right after a person dies, there's a whole procedure that you do. You put them in the mikvah, you dress them up in tachrichim, like in a kittel. It's a very, very uh, intense experience. And I remember I was excited to be able to do something for someone who I didn't know, only for him. He's dead. There's no way he could pay me back. And I'm like, I want to go. It's called chesed shalemes. It's the ultimate chesed. Right, so what happened? You remember I told this to you? You've heard this. So you do remember. So what happened? I went ahead and I did the tahara. His name was actually Moshe. That was his name. I remember at the end, it was, it was an incredible humbling experience, as you can imagine, handling um, a dead body. You've got to let it talk. You have to do certain things. It's a very, very uh, intense thing to do. And I remember at the end, one of the minhagim al-pikabalah that they do is that, and I felt good that I was giving to this person who never ever will be able to give back to me. I remember um, at the end you put in these twigs, you put these twigs in the person's hands, 
And the reason al-hikabal that you put twigs is because when tchias amesim will come, they have these sticks in order to dig out of their grave, so they can dig out. So you put these sticks in their hands. A lot of things you do al-hikabal. Now remember this. Ready? Want to hear this? I remember at the end thinking, okay, when I said goodbye to him, I was like, wow, that was intense. I was thinking, okay, maybe after Tchias Amisim, he's going to come and he'll recognize me and he'll come to give me a thank you. That was the thought that I had, which is a normal thought. So even in my Chesed Shal MS, where I'm trying to be totally, totally, uh, you know, giving over myself to this person, I'm a human being. I have ego. I have regular thing. I want him to, to come say thank you. I was like, oh, wow, he's going to be so thankful for what I've done. Of course, Moshe. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a normal thing that we want to get thank yous from people. And we want people to like us. Sometimes guys, we talk, and they say, oh, gosh, I get there's something wrong with me because I need everyone to give me approval, and I want everyone to approve of me. I'm like, that's very normal to get approval, that you want to get approval from people. It's a very natural thing that we want people to like us. It's a very natural thing, Moshe, that we want our friends to be as good as friends to us as we are to them. Of course, of course, of course. But that's not what it's about. What it's about is to be able to become somebody who gives and gives just like Hashem. Just like Hashem. That Hashem gives us and gives us and we mess up and we mess up. And He gives us and He gives us and we mess up and we mess up. Could you imagine being that type of person where you're giving and you're giving? That's why parents love children more than children love parents. It's a natural thing. It's a halacha. If your father breaks in to your house in the middle of the night, right, you would kill him. If your son breaks in in the middle of the night, you wouldn't kill him. It's a halacha. It's a halacha based on that. A father loves a child more than a child loves a father. Why? Why? Because a child, one of the reasons is, is because the father does and does and does and does and does and does and does for the child. We don't love the people we... We don't give to the people that we love. We love the people who we give to. Those are the people who we love. When we give to someone, we begin ahava. Ahava, the word ahava in Hebrew, not, in, not, in, not, a, not on Netflix. In Hebrew, in the essence of what it is. Ahava means hav, to give. It's the exact opposite of the world that we live in. We live in a world where everything is about what could you do for me. The world of being a great person is what could I do for you. That's what life is about. What can I do for you? Even for the person who I don't know, even for the person who is different than me, right? What's that line they say? Even if he's not kamocha. Love the Jew like yourself, even if he's not like you. Yes, it doesn't mean, yes, your roommate who's your buddy, right? Moshe, just to say on what you were saying, the guy to love who gives back to you, that's no, I'm not talking about you specifically, but your example, that's no great shakes. To love someone who gives back to you, no, it's to love somebody who doesn't give back to you. It's to love that guy, right? It's to love that guy who you don't naturally love. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Hashem will help. Yes, Shimon. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's, uh, don't you need to get to a place where your reservoir of giving is a big enough reservoir? Beautiful. That's why I said, yes. That's why you're here in the Yeshiva. Yes. 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 Then you'll end up hating. Correct. A hundred.
100%. So Shimon, that's what I'm saying. That's why we're in a yeshiva. That's why you're in a place where you're here to fill yourself up with love and fill yourself up with love and taking care of yourself and understanding yourself. Because if you're not doing it here, I'm just telling you, I'm not threatening anyone. I'm not making anyone scared. I'm just talk, saying a fact. If you don't work on yourself now, if you don't go ahead and you're still escaping when you're in this environment, if you are escaping in this environment, guaranteed you're going to be escaping once you go into the quote-unquote the real world, right? The real world. The, the wacko world. The wacko world. When you go into that world, I guarantee you, you'll be escaping times two. I was recently somewhere, and I saw the escapism uh, more than I can imagine. More than I can imagine. I spoke to a few of you. I don't want to go into the details. But I was blown away. I'm not talking about teenagers escaping. You guys, I'm not talking about teenagers escaping. I'm talking about 30-year-olds escaping. When I say escaping, I mean alcohol. If you're drinking, this is a fact. There's nothing to do with Mayor Mattel and addicts and, 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 and you know, the, all these programs. And talking about that, that also, that for sure, that at least you're blessed, a Mayor Mattel is blessed. I'm talking about everybody else. Anybody else who thinks that they are clean from alcohol because I only get drunk at Kiddush. There's something wrong with you. If somebody gets drunk on Shabbos and someone has to get drunk on Shabbos, there is something wrong with you. If you have to smoke pot, there is something wrong with you. If you have to get drunk, that means there is something wrong with you. When I say wrong with you, I know, I know that sounds very heavy. It means that you need to address problems that you're not addressing. It's not okay to be 30, 40 years old and getting drunk at a kiddush. That's not okay. There's something wrong with that. It's not okay to go to a wedding and to have to take a shot to, to pour a shot like this. Yo, L'chaim. This isn't L'chaim. This is, this is let's, let's, I don't know what it, what it means. That's, that's a fact. And the only place you're going to hear that is you're going to hear that over here. You're going to hear that over here. Yeah, Mayor, take it, take it over for me for a minute. Got me excited over here. Someone take it over. I might see. Yes. I have a question. I better be on this sub point eight. Now I'm going to get. When you say there's something wrong with the person who either you know needs weed or or is getting drunk, is, is it a problem or is it an addiction? Well, that's, that was my point with Mayor Mattel. That was my point. People want to call the addiction card. People want to put. Oh, I'm not an addict. I only get drunk on Shabbos. Why are you getting drunk on Shabbos? I only get drunk when I go to a wedding. I only smoke. I want to smoke with my wife. Why do you have to smoke? Why? Why? Why do you have to do that? I'm not getting into this as a, as a conversation. I just want to lay it down as facts. If somebody has to watch movies, if somebody has to get drunk, if someone has to smoke, if someone has to do this, and someone's going to say, okay, but I'm only 18 years old, I'm only 19 years old, I'm only 20 years old. Okay, so when are you going to stop? So when are you going to stop? You don't think I've met people, have you met people who are 30 and 40 and 50 who smoke and drink? I have. I have. So why? Are they okay? Are they married? Yes. Do they have children? Yes. So that's okay? No, it's not okay. There's something wrong with that. 
And the quicker you wake up to realize that, the quicker you wake up to realize that it's, and because anytime your question is the question of the generation, what's the big deal? What's the big deal if I get drunk at Kiddush every Shabbos? What's the big deal? What's the big deal if I go to a green Kiddush where they're putting stuff in the chalm? What's the big deal? There are 30, 40 people. I'm being serious. What's the big deal? Why is that such a big deal? I'm just like one of the boys. I'm just like one of the guys. Yes, Mayor, go. Take it over, Mayor. It could be, and I'm not saying this for sure, but maybe something to think about. It could be that what it could be that it could be that what is wrong with us is not being able to accept the fact or to see the fact that there's everything right with us. And maybe if we have a problem that we have to work on or trauma that we have to face that we think says that there's something wrong with us, um, maybe that's what's wrong with us. The fact that we have that means that there's everything right with us. And maybe we're afraid that if I'm going to have that drink and I have to sit a second with you, uh, either I have to be at a wedding and just stand amongst people with nothing to say with my hands by my side, and I can't deal with that. Or maybe something that's maybe even way more major that I'm walking into a room and I'm going to have uh, like a panic attack. And we're afraid to take a look at that. But maybe if we could take the time to look at that, we may find that everything that we were looking for at the bottom of the bottle or at the end of the joint, we really find Okay. Hashem will help each and every one of us. Yes, Sarah. Um, obviously, there's Shiva. I don't need to prove what her Shiva is saying, but I just something happened this week. Um, on Sunday night, I get a phone call that um, somebody I'm close with. I've been with him since I was in America, you know, for many years already. And I get a phone call from a couple. He's about 28 years old. And I hear, like, uh, on the phone, hello, right? And it's uh, my, uh, this person's wife who's calling me on the phone. And she says, I don't know what to do. I said, What's, what, what happened? What's the matter? She says, it was the worst Shabbos of my life. Okay, what happened? So her husband, such and such, you know, got. And I went to a kiddush, right? Went to a kiddush and got trashed, and literally trashed. Oh, by, by the way, only trash gets trashed. So, uh, yeah, so he literally got trashed. And I'm very close with him, and and. So he was on the phone also, and he was listening to his wife. Let's let's remember, you know, people are looking for a certain type of woman that they're going to marry, a certain type. And if you're marrying a very chashva person, a chashva girl, a quality girl, she doesn't understand really the need. Why does this person, why does that my husband need really to get trapped? And and on that job, there's two kids there. <coughs> Right? And the kids are standing over there, Tati, Tati, are you okay, Tati? And he doesn't remember anything. So Tati, 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 are you okay? Are you alive? What's going on? And he's uh, a husband, or, I mean, he's a good, a good person and everything, but, okay, what's the reason? Why do you need to do that and cause such anguish in your family? Right? Besides the fact that that person has his own issue that he needs to deal with, but don't you think 
that happened this week, and you know we're we're, we're discussing, and but at the end of the day, your wife is not going to get that. Really, she's a quality girl who works on herself. Also, she's not going to get the need. Oh, it's a big deal. Like every so often, you know, or every Shabbos. You know what that does to a marriage? And I want to say, I want to say, if you speak to to uh, Shlaimi Tesher, you speak yeah. to Shlaimi. Yeah. You speak to many people. Many people. I'm going to say this very clearly. It begins right now. It begins now. People think that my journey to become healthy is going to begin when I'm married, when I have my first kid, when I have my second kid, when I have to deal with my own. That's when stress can be elevated. That's when you're going to want to drink more. That's when you're going to want to smoke more. That's when you want to be escaping more because it's all like Mayor said. It's all, what am I missing in my life? What am I missing in my life that I have to do these things? Yes, sir, I see you wanted to say something. Um, no, but I would always say, I just wanted to say that uh, as mayor, as Chacham Khalil, as, as the rabbi say, um, all addictions are outcomes of a life problem. And no one's a druggie, no one's an alcoholic. We have certain life problems, insecurities, that causes us that we can't speak in public without taking a shot. And as long as someone's not dependent on alcohol or needs, everything's fine. And you don't have to get into all these technical, oh, alcohol, how much? But if a guy needs to take a shot in order to speak, or in order to talk to his wife or to have confidence, he should check himself. And there's plenty of people here. And as Rebbe said and everyone, and, and I've said in the past, you're delusional to think that you're going to get married and stop your anger problem. Stop your laziness, stop your drug problem, stop your alcohol problem. On the contrary, you're going to have five kids, you're going to have to pay bills, you're going to have a wife that once in a while could drive you crazy, and whatever it is, and you're going to go to that safe spot. So if you don't create the right dot, the right safe spot, you're just going to go to it. And I want to go just one step back of Rebbe saying giving, that if we give to our kids, in a true way, the, oh, they're going to give back like you cannot even imagine. And two days ago, I, I, I was at my house, I called my wife, I said, when are you going to be home? Because it's 6 o'clock. She said, I'm at work till 6.40. I said, so how am I going to give the kids supper? She's like, make schnitzel. I said, I don't know how to make schnitzel. And my eight-year-old, which I took a video, and I'll publish it on the chat, he's like, I got you, I'll make the schnitzel. So my eight-year-old said, I need three plates, breadcrumbs, some paprika and the breadcrumbs, eggs, and he made a full meal for the family. And for me, to just see, stand on the side and just enjoy those little machas, that's what you get back from giving, and, I, and, and he's a little kid. So life's beautiful when you give and, and you don't expect, because that's when you get back the most. I don't know what the count. I don't know what the count is, but I know the count of yeshiva days is uh, only diminishing. And Hashem will help each and every one of us. Each and every one of us 
to take advantage of the time that we're here, take advantage of, of this sheer sharing together, take advantage of working on yourself, because the only thing you have is today. If you want to fix your past and you want to create your future, create today to be the best day that you want it to be. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Uh,